It's time to believe in the Big 12. If you're a Big 12 baller, then this podcast is the place for you. Every week, we dive into the hot topics surrounding historic Big 12 football and basketball. Guest stars, former players, industry experts, conference shakeups, hoops hypotheticals, football fantasies. You name it, we have it. And in the process, we'll look at marquee matchups, roster comparisons, coaching carousels, and analysis of big-time moments. You will literally feel like you're etched into the fabric of the Big 12. From the creation of basketball to history repeating itself on the gridiron, our take on all things Big 12 will have you glued to the edge of your seat. So whether you've got a favorite Big 12 team or are just a fan of the conference, buckle up. It's gonna be a wild ride. Welcome to the Believe in the Big 12 podcast, a proud member of the Believe Podcast Network. Alright, welcome to episode number 14 of the Believe in the Big 12 podcast. And on behalf of the entire Believe Podcast Network, before we kick off, I have to ask... Do you believe, and more importantly for our purposes, do you believe in the Big 12? Because the Big 12 is epic right now. We are a lucky bunch who get to follow a talent-filled conference like this. Football season is in the wraps. We solidified our ultra, super-massive Big 12 power rankings last week. And we have our sights set squarely on college basketball. March Madness will be here before you know it, folks. And guess what that means for our format during college basketball season? We're doing away with the power rankings. What? Why, you may ask. That's, that's bananas. Well, that's exactly why. March Madness is bananas. You can't even try to establish order in the face of a looming March Madness. It's simply too crazy. I mean, case in point. As I'm recording this, an unranked Missouri Tigers team that lost to Kansas by about 40 earlier this year is playing number two in the country, Auburn, right down to the wire as we speak. It doesn't make sense. So instead, we're going to take the games as they come, make observations, make predictions solely based on faith and wild accusations, and okay, a, a little statistics. And But we're... We're going to embrace the madness. That's the point. So let's dive right in. First thing I'll say is Kansas and Baylor are still looking strong. They're the powerhouses in the Big 12 basketball landscape, and it'll be very interesting to see who runs away with the Big 12 title come tournament time. Will Kansas get back on track and reclaim its place at the top of the Big 12 totem pole where Baylor took its place last year? Is Kansas going to would claim that spot and start a whole new streak of record-breaking consecutive Big 12 titles because you don't usually see runner-up next to Kansas's name, and they're on a mission to correct that. So we'll see. KU played K-State and then Texas Tech in their last two games, and boy, were these gritty victories. A 19-point comeback after halftime against K-State, beating them 78-75, to followed by a nail-biter ending where they held off Texas Tech 94-91. to I mean, these are two amazing wins 
showing me that Kansas is back to Big 12 championship form. In the Texas Tech game, star Ochai Agbaji scored a career-high 37 points and sank one of the most clutch threes I've seen all year in college basketball. Granted, he had two overtimes to score 37 points, so you have to account for that extra time. But let's just take a pause here for a minute. What is it with Kansas sports giving their fans an almost lethal adrenaline rush? As if that Chiefs-Bills game on Sunday wasn't enough. Like, come on, Kansas Jayhawks. You had to bring that, that, that game to double overtime after what we saw on Sunday in football? I mean, I thought all hope was lost. And that with 13 seconds left on the clock, the Chiefs had just been decimated by a Josh Allen game-winning throw. But then I remembered one thing. They have Patrick Mahomes. And 13 seconds is all he needs. So that's why I don't mind the adrenaline rush. That's why I love Kansas sports. They come up clutch. The Jayhawks come up clutch. And the Chiefs come up clutch. And Patrick Mahomes, the former Texas Tech gunslinger, he quickly got them in field goal range and then threw a game winner in overtime that was equally as clutch as Agbaji's three-pointer to tie the game in epic fashion against Texas Tech. Now, Mahomes must have been a little disappointed at the Texas Tech loss, you know, his alma mater. But I think he's probably got some other priorities right now. The point is, sports in Kansas are amazing right now, and their fans are riding high, even if the ride almost killed them. But Ogbaji for the Jayhawks, he's a stud. I mean, he will lead this team deep into the NCAA tournament. I believe that. He does need to improve at the free throw line, though because that could come bite them in the behind at some point. But KU is now 17-2. and Baylor, on the other hand, they last played West Virginia, Oklahoma, and now Kansas State on a Super Tuesday. In the West Virginia game, star Baylor guard LJ Cryer dropped 25 points, and the Bears won at 77-68. And then, like I said, he had a chance to do the same versus Oklahoma. Playing in Normanville, did he go off again? The answer, yes. I'm not surprised because I do like his style of play. But I will say he's not quite Davion Mitchell from last year's championship team, which actually makes this win make more sense. The Sooners were 8-2 and two at home coming into this game. Normanville is not an easy place to play. And Oklahoma, they're fourth in the Big 12, scoring 71.9 points per game, while shooting 49.5% from the field. And the Baylor Bears, they're 4-2 and two against Big 12 opponents. Baylor scores 79.7 points per game, while outscoring opponents by 19.4 points per game. And that ought to show you that they were up for the challenge. And also, James Akinjo is shooting 43.4% and averaging 13.9 points per game for the Bears. Adam Flagler, well, he's averaging 9.9 points over the last 10 games for Baylor. They're 8-2 and two in those last 10 games. Averaging 32 rebounds, 16 assists, 8 steals, and 3 blocks per game while shooting 47% from the field. Their opponents have averaged 63.5 points. And that's what made them so good last year, too. They could spread the wealth and keep offenses at bay. 
Shout out to Sport Radar for all of this awesome data, which informs all these storylines about the Baylor Bears and the Big 12 in general. So Baylor, like I said, they played Kansas State on this Super Tuesday and avoided the upset and kept pace with the Kansas Jayhawks. Now both teams sit at 17-2. and two. And then you have Houston, who's number 10 in the country, and nobody wants to face them. They've won eight in a row and made quick work of East Carolina on Saturday. They're now 17-2. and two. I'm sensing a pattern here and will only climb higher. They shot 47% from the field in that game and held ECU, get this, to 5% shooting from three. They made 5% of their threes. That's what's going to take Houston to new heights this year. It's relentless defense that closes out perfectly. They also had almost 50 rebounds and play big. Their win probability just kept rising from start to finish, and I'd get used to that trend. And let me remind you, there are six teams in the Big 12 and the AP Top 25 right now. 20% of the Top 25 teams. Iowa State is up there. They just played TCU for their first matchup this season. And TCU is sneakily one of the better teams in the conference, sitting at 12-3. and TCU is fourth in the Big 12 with 14.5 assists per game, led by Mike Miles, averaging 4.0. And you know what they say about teams that assist? Sharing is caring. Teams that assist, persist. So why isn't TCU in the top 25? Well, the Horned Frogs are 2-2 two and two against Big 12 opponents. Isaiah Brockington and the number 15 Iowa State Cyclones just beat. Just beat Mike Miles and the TCU Horned Frogs. The Cyclones have gone 11-1 and at home. Despite ranking 8th in the Big 12 in rebounding, averaging 30 rebounds. So... Obviously, they're playing some pretty good offense to counteract that. Brockington, he leads the Cyclones with eight boards per game. In the last 10 games, the Cyclones are 6-4, and four, though, averaging 66.5 points, 30 rebounds, 14 assists, 9 steals, and 3 blocks per game, while shooting 45% from the field. Their opponents, on the other hand, have averaged 59 points per game, which helps them overcome their subpar rebounding numbers. Texas Tech is up there too, at number 13 in the country, fresh off of a grinded-out win over West Virginia, a.k.a. Press Virginia. Texas Tech has to be pretty happy with itself. I know they just lost to Kansas right at the bitter end, but they've been flying around on offense and defense. The defense has been stifling, and their pace on offense sharp and decisive. They proved that. They prove they have the stamina to run with an elite backcourt like Kansas. I mean, the final score of that game was 94-91, for crying out loud. And that West Virginia game? Well, West Virginia is no cupcake. Texas Tech is 14-4, and and West Virginia is 13-4. and And the only reason that West Virginia is not in the top 25 is the same line of thinking about TCU. They're not that great in the Big 12 Conference. This game versus West Virginia was close until the final four minutes, but then Texas Tech asserted its dominance and pulled away. I do believe West Virginia will bounce back, though, and make their energy on offense match that classic Bob Huggins energy on defense. They're called Press Virginia for a reason, and they'll be a scary tournament team come March Madness, probably around a 7 or 8 seed that nobody will want to play.
And then you have Texas, ranked 23. And they can flat out run you out of a gym. I was tracking all the games this past weekend and had the Big 12 scoreboard pulled up on ESPN. And the score just kept updating and updating and updating. Oh, Oklahoma State still has zero. Oh, oh, they got something. Nope, still zero. And Texas, they're at two. Now they're at five. Now they're at seven. Now they're at nine. Now they're at 11. Now they're at 13. And then finally, Oklahoma State gets on the board. Talk about running out of the gate. And Texas is really good at doing that. This isn't the first time. So you're going to have to watch out for them, too. And how about BYU, the Cougars? Well, they're barely outside the top 25. They're 16-4, and four, and in their conference standings, that's just a half game back of number two overall in the country, Gonzaga Bulldogs. BYU got the second most votes of any team that didn't crack the top 25, only six short of Iowa. They wanted, a lot of people wanted them to be in the top 25. In Cincinnati, the Bearcats, they have a solid record too, sitting at 14-6. and six. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of good basketball being played in the Big 12. That's March Madness quality there, too. But I will say this last loss has to infuriate the Bearcats. A Super Tuesday loss to Temple on a go-ahead three-point play with 30 seconds left. The good news is, for Cincinnati, that David DeJulius recorded 15 points and has kept his consistent presence scoring in double digits. And the team has been very good from the free throw line. Which, if you remember what I said earlier, Ochai Agbaji of Kansas really needs to improve there. Because they let people stay in games that way sometimes. Cincinnati doesn't do that. And Cincinnati's John Newman III has been all over the glass and recorded nine more rebounds in this game. They just need to watch the turnovers, as they've been in double digits there quite a few times now. You never want to be in double digits for turnovers. Points, that's cool, but nobody likes turnovers. And then you got Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Kansas State. They're all in the plus in terms of the win column too. And they're exactly the type of team that makes the Big 12 Conference so fun and so interesting. Oklahoma State already pulled off a major upset earlier this year. In fact, just 11 days ago against Baylor. And Kansas State and Oklahoma, well, similar to Oklahoma State, they really play a scrappy brand of basketball that drives the top dogs crazy. So those are never games you can overlook if you're at the top of the Big 12. The problem in this range, though, for these scrappy teams is the inconsistency. Kansas State, for example, played KU to the very end and then lost to Baylor by almost 30. So we need to see a little bit more consistency there. And lastly, let's take a look at UCF, the Golden Knights, the Knights in shining armor. They look like a potential tournament team, sitting at 12-5. and They just beat Tulane in epic fashion on a major go-ahead dunk with 49 seconds left. They've been strong in tight games this year, and they spread the ball around and confuse defenses that way because they don't rely on any one player to dominate. Although their versatile forward... Jake DeJong, he certainly can. But in this game, they had four players in double-digit scoring. Their guard, Darius Johnson, well, he perplexed Tulane with his smooth handles. 
But the good thing about Johnson is that he's also big enough to be a presence in the paint, and he added seven rebounds of his own, along with 17 points. He's a scoring threat from the outside and the inside, and will be the player team's key off of come tourney time if UCF makes the field. UCF just needs to improve in conference play, because despite a much better record than Tulane, they both have the same conference record. So UCF is looking promising, but they really need to separate themselves from the pack in conference play. So, to recap, folks, last week we solidified our ultra-super-massive Big 12 power rankings for the college football season. Those are done with. Although football's not over and the NFL is in full swing, and this is where, unfortunately, I have to admit, my Super Bowl prediction is now officially wrong well half of it if you swap the Packers for the Rams and you go Chiefs Rams then you're good I'm calling it now change it up Chiefs Rams Super Bowl sorry Packers fans but Aaron Rodgers just couldn't get it done it's too bad that it wasn't the Packers though because the Super Bowl is in LA this year for the first time since the very first Super Bowl and who played in that inaugural Super Bowl the Chiefs, and the Packers. We were so close to getting that Mahomes-Rodgers matchup that has been evading us. But a Mahomes-Stafford matchup is just as cool. As cool as Mahomes when there are only 13 seconds left and he has to come up clutch with a field goal. I'll never forget how amazing that was. It felt like a March Madness game. Now that we're on to basketball, I mean, I will never forget Tony Romo freaking out saying, They actually might have a chance, Jim. They might have a chance, Jim, to tie this game. And it had a very much March Madness feel to it. So, we're on to basketball. We're taking all these games as they come, monitoring each team to see if they really are a prospect for the NCAA tournament or not. But what we know is that, quite frankly, college basketball is a madhouse that will only get madder as we approach March. So get excited for more basketball coverage in the coming weeks. And remember, be sure to share this episode with a fellow Big 12 baller. Stay tuned for more shenanigans, and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.